0: Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Podcasting with my husband is my favorite! Just because we're both such avid readers and we don't often sit and talk in this context about what we read, especially fiction, right? Right. And before we start today, we thought it would be fun to share some little known facts about us. I realize as I continue to do these episodes that I always make my guest introduce themselves and I have yet to introduce myself. So today we'll share a little known fact about the two of us. One of the cool things about Paul is that he's quite a musician. He plays the acoustic guitar very well. He plays classical music. Um, I would say Bach is your favorite. He played in a classical quartet in college. He can play the acoustic guitar, the electric guitar, the banjo. At my parents' house on Sunday, he played the piano. So (laughs) he's got some musical strengths. That he will not admit to on his own.
1: But they're true.
0: Yay! You're (laughs) too.
1: I cannot admit to any of that. See? I can either (laughs) confirm (laughs) or deny.
0: Little known fact about Emily.
1: Uh, Is that she has been a dancer all of her life. She, uh, specifically ballet and other contemporary and some modern and some jazz and some other what other styles tap tap the whole deal and she was actually a professional ballerina at some point um so she wasn't uh, just your standard run-of-the-mill uh teen with dancing skills she actually got paid for it so that's something that uh, many people don't know she's smart it's smart a as a whip she's wicked <laughs> smart <laughs> And she has an evil, cackly laugh. (laughs) That
0: everybody loves.
1: That everyone loves.
0: Okay, so Paul hasn't read this book. I love it. Let's get a brief synopsis so that as we're talking about it, it doesn't become completely confusing. So this is Frederick Backman's latest novel that was released on September 8th, 2020. I was so excited um, in September to get it as my Book of the Month Club pick. Um, I can't believe I waited till the end of the month to read it, but so glad that I, I did read it. I've loved all of Frederick Backlund's books that I've read. Um, the first one I read was A Man Called Ove. Um, then I read Brit Marie Was Here, and then my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry. I love his writing style, um, and I, I love the hidden messages that he puts in his books in um, The faults of the Character's. Um, so I'm going to read you a synopsis of this book, and then I get to talk about it with my Hubster. <laughs> okay, so this is Anxious People by Frederick Backman. Looking at real estate isn't usually a life or death situation, but an apartment open house becomes just that when a failed bank robber bursts in and takes a group of strangers hostage. The captives include a recently retired couple who relentlessly hunt down fixer-uppers to avoid the painful truth that they can't fix up their own marriage. There's a wealthy banker who has been too busy making money to care about anyone else, and a young couple who are about to have their first child but can't seem to agree on anything, from where they want to live to how they met in the first place. Add to the mix an 87-year-old woman who has lived long enough not to be afraid of someone waving a gun in her face, a flustered, But still ready-to-make-a-deal real estate agent and a mystery man who has locked himself in the apartment's only bathroom. And you've got the worst group of hostages in the world. Each of them carries a lifetime of grievances, hurt, secrets, and passions that are about to boil over. None of them is entirely who they appear to be. And all of them, the bank robber included, desperately crave some sort of rescue. As the authorities and media surround the premise, these reluctant allies will reveal surprising truths about themselves and set in motion a chain of events so unexpected that even they can hardly explain what happens next. So this book was a really fun read. Um, We get to know each one of the characters individually. We learn how they came to be in this apartment um, and a little bit about sort of the struggles that they're facing. I love Frederick Brackman's writing. He has such a a smart way of stating things in a very blunt and obvious way that are both hysterical and meaningful. Um, His books are so funny. I am not an emotional person um, outwardly. I don't get choked up in public. And I don't get choked up at a lot. This book made me cry.
1: Cry or, like just, cry or tear up.
0: No, I like wept in the car. I even got like a little <laughs> hiccup.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which
0: goodness. surprised me. So I was sitting, my, our daughter, our oldest daughter, has started playing the cross and she was playing her game like 45 minutes away. She had to be there 45 minutes early. So it was a long drive. I brought this book so I could sit in the car and read since it was like 45 degrees outside and said, I'm just going to finish this book. Um, in the car, and then go over to the gas station. Um, for anyone who follows my Instagram page, I posted a picture of the last page that made me cry, and then I had to drive to the gas station to blow my nose.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> because it was, like, it was heartfelt.
1: <laughs>
0: so um, so I'm just going to share some parts of this book. I find it interesting. Um, I love, I don't know, I love it when different people have very different experiences reading books. Um, because to me, it lends itself to the idea that reading a book and the experience of reading a book, there's a lot of context involved. So in the context of my life, I'm a mother, I'm I'm a married woman, married to a man. I have five children. Um, I'm, just doing the American thing we got lessons we got school my husband and I both work Um, and so I feel like a lot of the characters in this book particularly the main character the robber is in the midst of a bit of a crisis a life crisis um, where they've just been kind of going through the motions their whole life like this is what grown-ups do I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do and then there comes a point in the book where everything in this person's life totally unravels It's so funny because it's so right on, Um, but I can see how someone who is not in this stage of their life wouldn't really connect with that. But I feel like this book, I feel like we could invite Frederick Backman over for tea. You think he'd come from Sweden? For some
1: yerba mate?
0: For some yerba mate. I feel like he would get us and we would get him because he really really wrote this book about a a period of life. So I'm going to read some excerpts from the book, and then Paul and I are going to laugh about them, basically, (laughs) and help people understand why this book um, was so relatable to us. And hopefully if anyone is listening to this and they didn't relate to this book on the same level, they'll be able to see why to some people it was so beloved. So here's our first excerpt from Chapter 17. The Truth... The truth is that the bank robber was an adult. There's nothing more revealing about the bank robber's personality than that. Because the terrible thing about becoming an adult is being forced to realize that absolutely nobody cares about us. We have to deal with everything ourselves now, find out how the whole world works, work and pay bills, You use dental floss and get to meetings on time, stand in line and fill out forms, come to grips with cables and put furniture together change tires on the car and change the phone and switch the coffee machine off and not forget to sign the kids up for swim lessons. We open our eyes in the morning and life is just waiting to tip a fresh avalanche of don't forgets and remembers over us. We don't have time to think or breathe. We just wake up and start digging through the heap because there will be another one dumped on us tomorrow. We look around occasionally at our place of work or at our parents' meetings or out in the street and we realize with horror that everyone else seems to know exactly what they're doing. We're the only ones who have to pretend. Everyone else can afford stuff and has a handle on other stuff and enough energy to deal with even more stuff and everyone else's children can swim. I absolutely loved this. My personality is such that every once in a while I just look around my house and I think, I I feel like we need a grown-up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need to yeah.
0: we need to call a grown-up and have a grown-up adult come and figure out what the heck is going on because mm-hmm. it's getting crazy. And do you do you agree? Do you feel like this is kind of a midlife perspective?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, I find myself thinking uh, I cannot believe how old I am, and I don't feel like it. I, I truly feel 19, 20, 21, and like I'm still learning things. It's, it's wild. It is really crazy. Yeah. And, you know, as you're reading that, it reminds me, and I don't want to throw you into the bus here, so you can edit this out if you want to, but okay. um, it reminds me of our daughter's uh, second-to-last lacrosse game. Tell the listeners what happened. We had a leak that- uh, Flooded our house. You know, caused some water damage, okay. yes.
0: Okay. So our house is in total disarray. We have five million things happening. We've got dance classes, lessons, uh, drive here, go there, coronavirus, the high school I work at gets shut down, like, so many things going on, and I- Hurry and pull up the lacrosse schedule. Check the time. Okay, get in the car. We got to go. We're five minutes late. Get out on the field. I'm so perturbed that we're late that I sit in the car to braid my hair. <laughs> to like, Emily, you've got to get a hold of yourself. We get out of the car. I walk out onto the field, and we're looking for Elizabeth. Where is she? Where is her team warming up? We can't find her team warming up anywhere. Where in the crap is Elizabeth? And we see a field of girls playing the cross. Lo and behold, Elizabeth is out on the field. She's
1: on the field. She's on
0: the field playing. And I look at my watch and go, oh, her game isn't supposed to start for 20 more minutes. Nope. Her game is 40 minutes in, and I have blown it. Not only have I blown it, but I've blown it at the one game where she's actually playing against people that we know. (laughs) And it was so embarrassing. But it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, just so... It was very me.
1: Yeah, she looked at us, uh Elizabeth, our daughter, like uh, what the heck? Like Mom, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. We totally her <laughs> down.
0: And it was horrible. Mm-hmm. It was like it was embarrassing. Yeah. I felt so bad. hmm I felt so bad.
1: But there's an example, yes. We could go on. We could go on. <laughs> we could but go we on. We won't. We won't go on. I just want all these people
0: who are going through the same thing to know they're not alone. And that hit me just as so hilarious because I just read it and ain't at the truth. <laughs> right? For a lot of us, ain't at the truth. And, you know, I do have a tendency to look at people who look completely put together and think, I know you send your laundry out, and you have a cleaning lady, and the people come and clean your car. <laughs> and you should have to write that on your front doorstep. Okay, so... Um, moving on, this is, I'm just going to, like I said, I'm just going to go through different quotes from the book and just, just so that you guys can see just how this made me feel so joyful. This quote from the book, this paragraph from the book lends itself to the idea that, um, as adults, when we're struggling, when we're having a hard time, we do look at our neighbors and we're like, why the heck is everyone else so freaking put together? And I'm such a train wreck. Right. So
1: you know, one of the other things that re- that reminds me of is I have curly hair, and what I notice now when I see people who are very well put together, they the, the men always have very well-groomed hair. You know, like you see models and magazines and things, yeah. and their hair is just 100% perfect. You see people on TV, and it's perfect. My hair, no, it does no, not go perfect. perfect. It does not go the, the kind of curly that is perfect. It does not go the kind of straight that is perfect. It goes the completely disheveled look where it looks like I did not shower that day. Uh, whether I did or didn't, you know, you really can't tell once the gel kind of dries out. And, uh, you know, I look at everyone else. How does that guy get his hair stinking so uh, 100% tame? It's annoying. It is so annoying.
0: He probably just came from the hair salon. You should have to wear a sign. Well,
1: well why do people get weekly haircuts? I mean, what the heck? I know. Do they get every other week?
0: (laughs) Who's to say?
1: I mean, if I go a month, you really can't tell.
0: There are people who will come and clean your car
1: at your house. And do they do haircuts, too? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If they come in, clean the car, do haircuts, and then maybe mow the lawn. Right, we're in. Then
0: we're in. Okay, here's the next one. Okay, this is page 57. The truth, of course, is that if people really were as happy as they look on the Internet... They wouldn't spend so much damn time on the internet because no one who is having a really good day spends half of it taking pictures of themselves. Anyone can nurture a myth about their life if they have enough manure. So if the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, that's probably because it's full of shit. (laughs) Not that it really makes much difference because now we've learned that every day needs to be special. Every
1: day. That's a great one. I do like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. I mean, it really is true. I, I can say from experience, when I'm um with my girls, and this happens especially at dance things, since we talked about the fact that I'm a I have experience with dance. When I go to a dance event with my daughters and it's a great event, and I'm really I'm being the mom I want to be, I'm like there, I'm supportive, I'm enjoying the event, I'm, you know having a great experience. I'm so frustrated when I get home at night because they didn't take any pictures.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: And so when I read this, I really, I really understood that. That, that was like a really visual thing for me. Like, yeah, because no one who's having a really good day spends half of it taking pictures of themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have better things to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone in this book um, experiences some sort of stress. They're being held hostage by a bank robber. Mm -hmm. And even though the bank robber isn't particularly threatening, it's a stressful, anxiety-provoking experience. So we kind of get an insight into how all of the characters react under stress. Um, But there is one character in particular, her name is Zara, who is actually experiencing real anxiety. I really related to her because... um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, therapy, for therapy in general, and I myself struggle with anxiety. And so listening to this sort of explanation of how she sees her world because of the anxiety that she feels, uh, it really hit me as well. It resonated with me. I felt lots of empathy for her as a character. So for this excerpt, we're starting on page 238. She felt like telling him that she needs distance, that she can't stop massaging her hands, she counts everything in the room because it calms her down, that she likes spreadsheets and turnover forecasts because she likes order. But she also feels like telling him that the economic system that she has devoted her life to working in is the world's biggest problem right now because we made the system too strong. We forgot how greedy we are, but above all, we forgot how weak we are and now it's crushing us. She felt like saying all this, but by this point in her life, she had gotten used to the fact that people either didn't understand or didn't want to understand. So she stood there and and deep down wished she'd stayed silent the whole time. So a couple of things that really, um, really resonated with me, the, you know, um, Zara as a character, she comes across as like a really hardened person. She is very socially unaware and um, she doesn't care that she's socially unaware. And so um, when we kind of, get the chance to look inside her head and see what she's struggling with and why she has to kind of silence the world around her, um, in order to keep herself functioning and whole. Um, it, you know, it goes on to say, um, she, they talk about headphones. So she's listens to music really super loud. Um, And it's just to kind of silence the world around her because it's too much. It's too much for her to take in and it's too much for her to deal with. And so, I mean, that really, the explanation of what she was experiencing really made me think, you know, there's probably a lot of people in our lives who come across to us in a particular way, but really we don't know what they're personally experiencing and so it's really unfair for us to judge them based on their interaction with us
1: you know i've one you know when i was uh 20 uh, a guy told me hey uh deep down we're all struggling this is a guy who had a family and um is when i was in detroit and he said uh deep down we're all struggling and i was like "Mm -hmm." he goes no deep down we're all struggling And I thought, yeah, that's... And then I really, really thought about it. And I never forgot that. And I truly believe it's, you know, obviously true. Um, We're all struggling with something. And uh, the struggle to overcome those somethings is what uh, I think this book really speaks to. And another thing, this... I was watching a Netflix uh, program. So the name of the program on Netflix is um, The Playbook and it's, um, it's a coach's rules for life. And it goes and interviews a bunch of coaches and, and it, uh, they share their philosophies for coaching and life and all that. And one of the episodes is about Doc Rivers, who was the coach of the Boston Celtics uh, through one of their uh, later successful periods. And um, he talks about one of his philosophies that has to do with the word Ubuntu. And this book reminds me of Ubuntu. Um, an African, it's a uh, Nuni Bantu term, which means humanity, but it's a philosophy that has to do with uh, uh, it's the idea that you are uh, essentially um, the product of everyone else around you. So um, I am because everyone else is. And it's a very popular uh, in their culture uh, topic that essentially says um, we're all connected we're all dependent on each other and none of us can succeed without each other and none of us can truly fail without each other and everyone uh, dynamically uh, affects each other in ways that are so interconnected that we can't we simply can't disconnect completely and this book i really like how it kind of ties all these lives in together with the common theme that deep down we're all struggling
0: totally Yeah, and that is going to lead us as a perfect segue into our last quote that is chapter 71, page 324. They say that a person's personality is the sum of their experiences, but that isn't true, at least not entirely, because if our past was all that defined us, we'd never be able to put up with ourselves. We need to be allowed to convince ourselves that we're more than the mistakes we made yesterday, that we are all of our next choices too, all of our tomorrows. And I love that as it addresses suicide. Um, suicide is a theme that runs throughout this book. And the idea that we don't have to be tied to all of our yesterdays, but we're going to be a sum of what makes up our tomorrows too, I think is a really hopeful message. This was the tearjerker for me. This was the heartwrencher. Um, I'll just read it. Okay, so... Page? Last page of the book. Chapter 74, page 336 in my book. The truth? The truth about all of this? The truth is that this was a story about many of different things, but most of all about idiots. Because we're all doing the best we can, we really are. We're trying to be grown up and love each other and understand how the hell you're supposed to insert USB leads. We're looking for something to cling on to, something to fight for, something to look forward to. We're doing all we can to teach our children how to swim. We have all of this in common, yet most of us remain strangers. We never know what we do to each other, how your life is affected by mine. Perhaps we hurried past each other in a crowd today and neither of us noticed. The fibers of your coat brushed against mine for a single moment and then we were gone. I don't know who you are, but when you get home this evening... When this day is over and the night takes us, allow yourself a deep breath because we made it through this day as well. There'll be another one along tomorrow.
1: So why did that make you cry?
0: Um, because I think when we get inside our heads and when we're really um, struggling to be who in our minds we think we're supposed to be based on our own ideals and based on the people around us who it feels like are always succeeding when we're always failing, Um, it's because, I mean, what really touched me about it is even just the single line, because we're doing the best we can, we really are. And I think if we all offered each other more understanding in terms of, you know, just understanding, like we are doing, everybody's doing the best they can. I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and says, I'm only going to halfway do things today. Unless they're depressed and then they lay down on the dining room floor until they can collect themselves and then do their best. And that's a real thing. But I really think even in that circumstance, sometimes laying down on the dining room floor is the best you can do. And that's okay. It's okay to do your best and have it not be the same as everyone else's best. And I love that. That really touched me. I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, please remember to comment, like, subscribe, follow, and leave me a review. Those reviews really do help me out. Also, if I can leave you with a book recommendation, I absolutely recommend Everything by Frederick Backman. His writing is wonderful. Um, Thanks for listening in today, and we will join you again next week as we bring you another lovely book.